Welcome to Federal Insights for July, discussing the future of work, sponsored by Verizon. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Cornelius Brown, the Director for Department of Defense Sales at Verizon, and Brian Shromsky, the Managing Partner for 5G at Public Sector at Verizon. So uh, Cornelius, I'll start with you. We're talking about uh, smart-based futures and, and what that means for the United States. Uh, give us an idea of what a smart base looks like and, and what it is. Yeah. Well, in essence, a smart base of the future is the integration of connected technologies that will fundamentally improve the performance and efficiency of assets and services across a military installation. And as we define smart bases, we can essentially view them as mini cities in itself, uh, where infrastructure, building, transportation, energy ma management are all factors of a city and a base. And what drives a smart base is that they're all hyper-connected. It's an ecosystem where everything becomes connected. So this is something that uh, you might have like a smart grid that brings everything together that you're looking uh, at the cybersecurity of something, you're looking at uh, you know the, the physical security, all those sorts of things as well. Absolutely, security, it will be a fabric of how we architect smart bases. Uh, you also have things like sensors, cameras, vehicles, it's all working to become fully integrated and it really allows the operators to have more control and make more informed decisions, which is really important. So uh, 5G is something that Verizon has been working on, obviously, and has partnered with the Defense Department on this. And, and Brian, what does 5G just mean to begin with? Uh, you know, all of us have cell phones, but I'm not sure that we're exactly familiar with the networks that actually run them. Sure. Uh, great question, Scott. And I think uh, we welcome that opportunity because I think 5G means a lot of different things to many different people. And we want a level set, right? And first and foremost, uh, the 4G network is going to be the backbone of the 5G network, right? So... As we deployed our 4G network, which is going on 11 years, can't imagine that already, um, we've made a lot of enhancements. So if you had a device or first-generation smartphone in 2010 and what it looks like in 2021, it's vastly different. And obviously with our 5G nationwide and our 5G millimeter wave, we're, we're now operating on low and mid-band spectrum on 5G. Um, we're very excited. And it gives the ability for military installation and military personnel they use various networks depending on the use case. So as Cornelius mentioned, we're going to see some use cases around energy that will use uh, 5G nationwide or in 4G in some cases, depending on the sensor. And then we'll see on the 5G millimeter wave and the ultra wideband as we get to next generation technologies where we want to do AR and VR, right? We want to control drones. We want to do uh, better and more video, right? That's where you'll see a... Uh, the 5G nationwide and also the 5G millimeter wave really taking hold. And uh, one of our test cases that we have right now is Miramar right there in California, where they're actually using both 4G and 5G, 5G technology. And I think what we're also seeing is the ecosystem of 5G devices are only going to get better, right? I think we're limited in some cases. It's only smartphones, but you'll see, as Cornelius mentioned, some of those 5G IoT devices coming online later in 21, and you'll see gangbusters in 2022. Yeah, can you, can you give us an idea a little bit about how uh, us as consumers might see uh, 5G versus 4G? Uh, because, you know, this is something that it's hard to realize in the abstract until we actually see it, right? Um, so it, we hear that everything's going to be connected to the internet. Um, you know, so how might we see it as regular customers? And then how might people see this uh, in the Defense Department in ways that uh, things can get connected that may not be connected now? Sure. Um, so from a, from a 
end user. It could be a military personnel or a loved one or a family member, right? So you can imagine you'll see 5G devices. So think about iPhones, Samsung devices. Uh, most recently with Apple and their new iPad all have 5G enabled input. So from a consumer or day-to-day use cases, you'll see that. Um, very soon you'll see for more traditional like Cisco, CradlePoint, Sierra Wireless, those IoT will actually have 5G connectivity in there. And what we're starting to see is um, also new avenues for us, right? Something that's going to be near and dear to our heart is we're going to use 5G to deliver broadband access, right? So something that you see today in certain markets around 5G homes, so we're outside of the traditional 13 colonies or the Fios markets, if you will, we'll deliver broadband access through 5G, what we call business internet. So from the DOD standpoint, we see use cases where we will actually provide broadband access via 5G. Um, So one of the things we get very excited about is the distribution model for 5G is going to be multi-pronged, right? You'll have 5G mobility, as I just mentioned, and you'll have something called 5G business internet where you actually deliver broadband access. Cornelius, we'll turn to you. Um, you know, we're looking into getting smart bases. Now there are some that have been created within the Defense Department at this point on an experimental level. Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges that a base has from becoming a regular base into a smart base? Yeah, yeah, great question, Scott. When, when I think about some of the challenges a, um, you know, a base may face in becoming a smart base, I, I'd probably start with three things. You know, the first one being security. You know, for military bases, security cannot be an afterthought, and it has to be factored into the foundation of a smart base architecture and design. You know, second, I would say budget. You know, the prospect of an enli- large initial cost can be a little scary for organizations. Um, and represent another hurdle for them to adopt smart-based technology. And then lastly, deployment and implementation is going to be critical. You know, we often talk about how do we shift from, you know, PowerPoint to proof of concept and then into production and careful planning and prioritization will be key to establishing that foundation. Uh, Brian talked about the use cases associated and then we would need to really focus on return on investments, you know, that would allow the operators to continue to scale into a phased approach because, you know, something like a smart base doesn't happen overnight. And we've seen, like I said, we've seen this happen on some uh, military bases. What sort of things are they doing on these these bases at this point? Um, you know, they were pretty big uh, multi-million dollar contracts with Verizon to um, really set these up. Uh, and so we see service members with uh, different styles of life now, and we see uh, different um, uh, weapon systems and other things like that getting online with 5G technology. Uh, can you just maybe explain a little bit about how these experimental uh, and, uh, test beds are working? Yeah. So, you know, going back to the the effort at Miramar, which was, you know, one of the five, the first 5G millimeter wave instances deployed on a military base, you know, we're really taking a, a private public approach. So there's a large collaboration with multiple industry players to really enable uh, various use cases around energy management, drone management, autonomous vehicles. And it's really a collaborative effort to really prove out, you know, what 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 does the customer want to accomplish? Um, you know, what what's the desired outcome and how do we prove that, you know, the solution will work and what does the technology yield? Um, it's really important to think through the different, uh, you know, factors of 5G. I think Brian discussed it very well that we have millimeter wave, we have this uh, the C-band technology, and then we also have LTE that exists today. So, you know, depending on the use cases, we have the technology that will fit the needs of our customers best. And so you can just move between each one of those if you need to. So if you need something with a lower uh, band, you just, you know, go ahead and use that and don't go to anything higher, right? 
That's right. And, uh, you know, we often talk about interoperability and a lot of our handsets, as an example, are built with software uh, that allows dynamic spectrum sharing. So depending on the bandwidth that's required, you can seamlessly, you know, go between the different technologies to, to you know, build a connection and maintain a connection. So one of the things the Defense Department's really trying to work on is integrating uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning within not only 5G, but uh, within everything it does. It's supposed to be like electricity, basically. You don't really think about it. It's just there. Um, you know, how is artificial intelligence and those sorts of things being integrated in with, with 5G at this point? Yeah. So, you know, devices are continuing to become smarter, smarter, uh, which means that they're going to generate larger amounts of data. They're going to be capable of delivering more services. When you pair that with, you know, mobile edge uh, computing, uh, Mac, you know, now you have the ability to process information closer to the end user uh, or the application via the cloud. And this really removes a lot of historical latency that prevented us from, you know, applications being able to make near real-time decisions. And I think autonomous vehicles are a great example uh, of that capability where now they can process their environment, such as red lights, people crossing streets, they can avoid accidents. And in some cases, they can even drive themselves with level four and level five uh, autonomous capabilities that did not exist before mobile edge computing. Paired with 5G, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning will help users process terabytes of information, make data decisions, uh, while providing actual insights that they can take action on, like predictive maintenance, enhanced safety, and even threat detection will all be benefits of 5G paired with artificial intelligence and machine learning. And you were talking about uh, you know, autonomous vehicles and things like that. Uh, those are already being used in some ways or being looked into being used uh, on some of the experimental bases. Uh, I shouldn't say experimental bases, the test bases. Um, and uh, you know, so how, how can they bring in the data? How is 5G helping with those uh, sorts of, of technologies? And what are those vehicles doing? Yeah, so you know, in, in these autonomous uh, vehicles or drones, you know, when they're going out and doing various testing, they're surveying the environment, they're collecting massive amounts of data. And what we see, you know, at Miramar as an example, is these, these units can come in at the end of the day, they can dock into a station, and 5G allows them to do massive data dumps of, you know, 100 gigs of data at a time. So therefore, researchers can then go take that data and analyze it. So that's just one example of, you know, what 5G will make possible um, in regards to, you know, connectivity to connected things. And what, what might we see when it comes to just being a, an individual uh, once you're on the base? Uh, you know, you're going to see drones flying around, maybe a, a uh, autonomous vehicle driving by. Uh, what can you do with your phone? Maybe watch a movie, something like that. Uh, are, are things going to be a little different than they are now? Yeah, it, you know, the visual often reminds me of the Jetsons, right? Uh, so I would expect to see, you know, drones uh, potentially delivering packages, you know, shuttles with no human uh, driver, uh, you know, going around the campus. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a, a different way of life um, that will make things, you know, more effective, more efficient and more seamless for sure. Brian, on the IT side or, you know, maybe behind the scenes types of sides, uh, what are what are the IT people going to be seeing in analysts? Are they going to be able to look at data better? Are they going to be able to take in information that maybe uh, would help them make the base more secure, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think from an IT administrator or security analyst, right, I think, you know, 5G and as well as just mobility in general gives you a better opportunity to actually see down to the end device, right? Every device is going to be connected. So you can get, put in vectors like GPS, right? This device should only be responding to this particular location. It shouldn't be on the other side of the base. Um, to get real-time data, you can actually have a control plane to see who's authorized on my network, who's not supposed to be on my network, right? 
So a lot more transparency, which is really cool. Now it opens up that threat factor, right? Because you're gonna have more devices connected. So that's where you see security layers on being put on top. You'll hear terms around software defined perimeter or zero trust architecture where you want these devices. I mean, going back to Cornelius's point, um, I look at autonomous vehicle squared, right? We have one scenario on the base where we have a unmanned vehicle, autonomous vehicle, actually having autonomous drones on there. So you have an autonomous shuttle moving drones that are autonomous as well, right? So taking it one step further, we're not just having autonomous, you know, a shuttle or a drone, you're actually combining that. And all of that is working with no human intervention, right? The drones are gonna go right back. And if they're running out of battery, the shuttle actually goes to them rather than somebody, you know, it's reading the data from the actual drone. So it's those kind of interactions that you'll see when everything is connected, you take it to one level higher, uh, which is really exciting. We're gonna take a quick break. My guests today are Cornelius Brown, the director for the Department of Defense Sales at Verizon and Brian Schwamsky, the managing partner for 5G public sector at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni on Federal Insights, a discussion on the smart base of the future sponsored by Verizon on Federal News Network. For 15 years, the federal community of government managers, executives, appointees, and contractors has started its day with me, Tom Temin, host of The Federal Drive, our daily program of the latest headlines and interviews with people behind the news, your go-to source for information about everything from IT to pay and benefits. Be informed, stay informed. Start your morning with me, Tom Temin, on The Federal Drive. Listen on air on the Federal News Network app and on Spotify. Welcome back to Federal Insights, a discussion on Smart Base of the Future, sponsored by Verizon on Federal News Network. My guests today are Cornelius Brown, the Director for the Department of Defense Sales at Verizon, and Brian Schramsky, the Managing Partner for 5G Public Sector at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. So, Brian, we left off talking about uh, encryption, zero trust, cybersecurity, all those sorts of things. Uh, 5G, uh, in some ways, is a double-edged sword. It leads you open to more... Um, uh, uh, more surface area for attack, but also uh, gives you faster uh, things, uh, faster uh, response times and things like that. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that 5G might bring, and then we can go into some of the advantages. Sure. I mean, there's, you know, my public service announcement here. So as we move to 5G, and we hear this a lot, not only from the DOD, but also Homeland Security and Department of Justice, right? So first and foremost, we'll always be uh, compliant, right? So that's that's one of the fears I would say when it comes to 5G, there is a fear of going dark, right? Higher level of encryption, um, but rest assured we're completely compliant. I think also we're starting to see around 5G and some of the security and threat factors out there is around supply chain, right? In that having a trusted supply chain to ensure that we have a secure network. And I applaud the DOD as well as the State Department as well as other agencies that are really looking at that and doing that. Um, obviously at Verizon, what we do here is look at many different things, right? So we work with the 3GPP, we actually do industry outreach. So we work with our, you know, our partners out there and I say the community, so the other telcos as well. So we work in accordance. It's in our best interest for this great country to actually make sure that we all have a very uh, good security model when it comes to 5G. And then, you know, you, you, know, you can never you know, rest on your laurels when it comes to security, right? So. There's also, you know, better encryption in 5G, mutual authentication, which we adopt as we get into release 15. And there's some new things coming out, release 16, as we get into standalone core and 22 from Verizon, which we're very excited for. The encryption in that slice uh, opens up network slicing, which we're very excited for. Um, but, you know, 
and then you take it one step further when you start looking at zero trust architecture, you look at software defined perimeter where you have you know, security platforms that are overlaying that uh, you know, RAN, radio access network security and what the carrier is doing and putting on top of it. Um, you know, you, you have a more comprehensive model that um, it's very exciting for DOD, right? So they can look at very different, uh, you know, analyst reports, right? Um, you, know, you know, it opens up, I would say, um, you know, I, I would say a threat vector, but I think one of the things that we're seeing from the pandemic, which I think is really push. I would say telework and mobility is I have to conduct my job not inside of four walls, right? There were some policies, there wasn't consistency across, and I think we see this in DOD that said, hey, you know, for COOP, you know, the next, God forbid, a next pandemic, a cyber attack or a power outage that I can't get in this particular facility, how do I conduct my business, right? Um, how do I conduct military business? And I think where you see on 5G, now that I have the ability to do more things and more operational network, right, outside a IT worker, office worker, say in the Pentagon, that more operation along the flight line or in the warehouse or in a test bed or in a theater of war, I think you're now seeing with 5G, I have a network that can do what traditional wireline used to do and what traditional wireless, 5G is really in the middle of those two. At the same time, the threat factors on both sides of that aisle come into play, but having a coordinated uh, security policy is the right approach. But rest assured, the challenge that we wanna make sure is we have a valid uh, secure supply chain and also working with industry standards. And most importantly, having outreach, working with public sector agencies, federal, state, and local to make sure that we meet their needs and their challenges when it comes there. Because I think some things open up the mind, right? When we talk about edge compute, as Cornelius mentioned, things like FedRAMP come into play, right? Because we're actually hosting the application at the edge. So um, the cool thing is with 5G, we can take you know, cloud security or network security and actually 5G uses both of those. We just start bringing it in. It's not I have to design something completely different just for 5G, right? We can leverage some of those best security practices when we talk about 5G and edge computing. So to create all of this 5G, there has to be obviously a, a backbone to make sure these things are working and are uh, steady and hardy uh, to make sure the Defense Department can use them for uh, all the information it needs. Uh, how are you building that out? Uh, how are you making sure that's secure? Yeah, so one of the things that Verizon remains focused on is, is uh, delivering our One Fiber project, uh, which happens to be one of the largest infrastructure projects in the US. And that's really helping continue the momentum in scaling 5G because uh, to your point, fiber is a very important element. And uh, last year, you know, we really hit our stride delivering almost 1400 route, route miles uh, of fiber per month. And Cornelius, I remember not that long ago, the Defense Department was considering possibly banning things like Fitbits because it was giving away locations of where service members were. Um, obviously with 5G, there's gonna be a lot more uh, connectivity with different devices. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about much is, is encryption. Um, you know, the encryption is getting more and more complex over time. Uh, and then I'm assuming also with having more devices, encryption is going to be more complex. So either Cornelius or, or Brian, um, you know, where does that fit in with the 5G and um, maybe even like quantum computing? Uh, sure. Because rings are going to get a lot longer than we uh, can imagine. No, we, we, that's a great question, Scott. I mean, obviously with 5G, in release 15 and release 16, there's higher levels of encryption in 5G when you're adopting those on its networks. As I mentioned before, right, there's over the top that you can do, right, if it's software-defined perimeters, your trust architecture, all that kind of stuff, right? 
Um, but you know, you bring up a good point with the quantum key distribution, quantum computing, not quantum key distribution, which we use as well. Um, but you know, that's a that's always a concern, right? You know, how do we make sure that we have a very secure network, not only for the military, but also the you know the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of customers on a commercial network, right? Um, not only are we doing work for the DOD, but we have a lot of financial transactions happening on our network, right? So, um, you know, it, it's always a concern. It will never go away. And it just keeps us on our toes and make sure that we have a very secure network um, and always improving that network, right? And we're looking at other things, right? So another topic that we get a lot of questions about on 5G is ORAN, right? And we're committed to ORAN. We're part of the 5G ORAN Alliance. And we're welcoming new interfaces and possibly new security models that actually come out of uh, ORAN. So we're, we publicly stated that we're, we're excited about ORAN putting development work behind it. And we're looking for the first partner portfolio to actually supply us and possibly those scenarios when it has advanced security uh, considerations when it comes to ORAN and actually incorporating it into our overall network strategy. And, and Cornelius, let's move to the actual future warfighter. Uh, you know, 5G has the possibility to uh, be more, make more fighters more lethal, to save lives, to, uh, you know, help them stay more connected. You know, where did these possibilities go? And, and can you talk maybe a little bit more granularly about how it might help, you know, an individual warfighter even? Yeah. So, you know, two areas I, I would call out that, you know, we saw acceler accelerated coming out of the pandemic. And the first one was really centered around immersive learning and education, right? So when you think about traditional learning, how that typically will happen in a classroom setting, we saw that shift and, and we'll continue to see that shift into solutions like augmented reality and digital environments. Um, and we have a number of solutions underway that are being piloted today. Uh, another one we could touch on would, would be around healthcare, right? Where when you think about, you know, virtual doctor visits, remote patient monitoring on, you know, wearable devices and improved patient outcomes, uh, we will continue to see that be increased. And those are both great examples, you know, coming out of a COVID pandemic uh, that we were able to improve the lives of, of those on base and, and improve, you know, the, the capabilities that we're providing to the warfighter. Um, so, you know, I've heard of, of different future technologies as well, maybe ones that we haven't even fathomed yet uh, that might be helpful and, and maybe able to connect into 5G. We've seen, uh, I've heard of uh, some fabrics that have, uh, you know, connectivity through the internet. Uh, you're able to monitor people's vitals and uh, make sure that they're still alive, see when they're anxious or when they're calm and all those sorts of things. Um, you know, have you heard of any farther future technologies and, um, you know, uh, what other applications might there be that we may not have even thought about yet? Yeah, so uh, within the DOD, you know, the wearables is becoming a segment that is continuing to grow. Uh, you know, we've seen solutions like connected rings, as an example, that are constantly checking, you know, vitals for those uh, that are out in the field. And, uh, you know, one of the things we'll see around telehealth and telemedicine in general is just the, the massive explosion because, you know, the, the ability to detect things ahead of time and be predictive and, and offer, you know, solutions that, you know, really maintain the warfighter in the field. So that is definitely an area that we're going to see continue. And Brian, uh, one thing that people maybe sometimes forget is that military families also live on these bases and they'll be connected to 5G as well. Uh, what are some of the just, just regular things that you might be able to get that might be really excited for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we forget about that, right? So we talk about all the next generation technology. So, I mean, from military personnel, right, they're, you know, living on the base, right? They'll be able to take a shuttle or bus, they'll get them around, right? All that cool stuff. But more importantly, just connection. Right. So if they're using video calling, whatever platform that they're using, right, Google, Zoom, 
uh, FaceTime, right, on these connected devices, they'll just have a much better experience, right? They'll be in high-definition video. Uh, they'll have faster bit rates, so they can do more videos. They can upload information, all of that good stuff, right? And uh, you couldn't ask for much more, right, to have a very intimate and immersive experience in a personal way, right, where you're connected. Um, it's very exciting. Um, I know I have two teenage daughters, and if I want to call them, I had to do a video video. Uh, audio, they, they don't like the audio experience. They want to see you and, and do it every day. So, you know, imagine for military personnel that, you know, they do the great work to protect this great country. If they can connect in a video, um, you know, that's awesome. And, you know, that gets me excited and I'll probably tear up. I'm pretty emotional. I'm like the thick meal here. Uh, so it, it is really cool stuff to be able to do that and provide that technology. And I'd assume that that could probably help with uh, future education as well. I mean, people that are in remote tech, remote areas um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, there's probably really could have used 5G. But, um, you know, in the future, we may have people, you know, anywhere really, and maybe even using 5G up in, in space at times, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we learned from the pandemic is we had a huge growth engine in terms of distance learning, right? So if we look at a K through 12, right, huge learning aspect. Right, where people didn't have connectivity, we're able to provide I think that's very applicable in the military, right? Where we have, you know, if we have isolation, you know, uh, with the pandemic, I can't go in certain barracks, I can only have certain people in there, but I want to be connected so they can have a device and be connected and actually have that training. I think where you're going to take to the next step in some of the use cases, as Cornelius mentioned, is uh, things where I want to do predictive maintenance and I actually want to put on an AR, VR uh, headset and actually you know, work on a piece of, uh, you know, a tank, a plane, a Navy vessel, right? And I don't have necessarily have the expertise, but I'm able to do that. Um, I will tell you near and dear that's uh, right there with the DOD. We actually have a project right now with the VA, the Veterans Administration in Palo Alto, California, where we're actually using 5G to power robotic surgery, right? Where now we can get 3D images where today, you know, you have static 2D images, right? Where you kind of, you know, left, right side of the brain, top, bottom, now we actually have a 3D hologram and it's leveraging our partners as well as um, our 5G Mac, uh, as well as our 5G RAN and actually able to do that, right? So you can actually look around and see up, down and right rather than looking at static 2D images, right? So be able to power that technology, that will only get better, right? So, you know, I, I tell this to people all the time, right? You know, when we rolled out LT and 4G, Uber and Lyft or Airbnb weren't thought of, right? And all of that experience now is done through a mobile device, right? So now that we have that 5G technology, I tell this all the time, this is a 10-year project, right? We're, we're like year four in. We started really in 2017. We've got a lot of lot of runway, if you will, use military terms, as Cornelius mentioned. We just got the C-band auction. You'll see that rolling out over the next three years into 24. That's three years from now. And then all those applications, the ecosystem will only increase as we go in the next couple of years, right? So rest assured, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but at the end of the day, customers want connectivity, they want reliability. And that's all we're about. And we can power that infrastructure from military. Uh, I think it's a win-win for us and it's a win-win for them. Going to be a very interesting future for sure. Well, I'd like to thank uh, both my guests today. Cornelius Brown's the director of Department of Defense Sales at Verizon, and Brian Schwamsky is the managing partner for 5G Public Sector at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, you want me to just do that again, Jason? Sure. Okay. 
I'd like to thank my guest today, Cornelius Brown, the director for Depend. <laughs> Sorry. I'd like to thank my guest today, Cornelius Brown, the director for the Department of Defense Sales at Verizon, and Brian Schwamsky, the managing partner for 5G Public Sector at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Verizon. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for July, sponsored by Verizon on Federal News Network.